now entering Hello and welcome back to the Horse Sanctum Podcast. I'm Jay with John, Kellen, and TJ. Uh, and this week we're also joined by writer Nick Morris, who wrote the 2020 action thriller Becky. Um, and uh, you executive produced the sequel Wrath of Becky. Uh, those movies star Lulu Adams, uh, Kevin James, Joel McHale, um, Sean William Scott. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, um, first off, get with it. Both these movies are fantastic. Uh, we can't recommend them more. Uh, so go track them down and watch them because they're great. Um, so basically, spunky and rebellious Becky tries to reconnect with her father during a weekend getaway. Uh, but a trip, the trip soon turns uh, for the worse when convicts on the run, led by the merciless Dominique, suddenly invade the home. Um, and the sequel takes things just a little bit further. Yes, it does. It sure does. Uh, and it's Lulu Wilson. By the way, I think you said Adams, but I said Lulu Adams. Yeah, that's the no. Adams family, the uh, Hellbender movie. Oh, okay. I've seen that. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Uh, I still haven't watched Wednesday yet. Anyway, I digress. Nick, uh, so we've all watched the Becky films. Uh, I remember just to have a little bit of history from what I've I've read up on it. I remember it coming out during COVID, and mm. um. It was interesting because, you know, everything was shutting down right when it was coming out. But the drive-ins, magically, you know, we thought Joe Bob had the last drive-in. But now all the drive-ins started coming back because we can't be a be a civilization without our by God movie theater experience. So <laughs> uh, and Becky was actually did, did I read this correctly? It was actually the number one movie in at least in the U.S. I don't know what it did in Canada for two weeks on the drive-in circuit. That's right. Yep. Yep. Thanks to, uh, you know, COVID was, uh, it was in terms of Becky and its release, it, you know, it was, it helped in some ways and it hurt in some ways, but, um, definitely the fact that, you know, the studios weren't putting anything out, all the theaters were closed, um, and the drive-ins were doing good business and, you know, and we managed to get it into the drive-ins that, uh, it got more attention than it, you know, otherwise would have for sure as a result. Well, that, that's, that's great. I'm going to take it back to the, to the, the beginning. Cause I'm, I'm also an, an aspiring screenwriter and I'm trying to get my first movie kind of off the ground right now, which is a slog when you don't have a yep. <laughs> Kevin James or somebody attached to it, especially, but uh, man, I'm just so interested. I heard that, you had won a horror screenplay contest or a film festival contest, something like that. Tell me how you got into to writing and how this Becky thing come to be. Uh, I, well, as far as writing, screenwriting goes, you know, I really, uh, I got serious about it maybe 10 years ago. Um, you know, I had, you know, some ideas rattling around that I had to get out and kind of uh, uh, taught myself, uh, screenplay format, you know, with um, books and websites and reading scripts and stuff. And one of the websites that uh, the, I spent a lot of time on um, just learning the craft um, uh, was a website called Script Shadow. And at least at that time, they, they still do it once in a while. But back then, it was a regular thing where, um, like every other weekend, I think, they would have uh, like a showdown, a script showdown. Um, and, um, 
the the guy that runs the blog would, would choose you would send your scripts to him and he would pick five scripts post them online and then the community which you know is a pretty big you know robust community right uh, would vote on them would read you know as much or as little of you know the, all of these scripts they wanted and vote for the one they liked the best um so that's you know that's um at the time that uh becky was after i originally it was called there was a little girl um and i'd i had had finished it not long before you know maybe a few weeks before i kind of threw it into that arena and uh and and it won its weekend and so the winning script gets featured the following weekend with a review and stuff like that right and just you know exposure um and, and that's actually how it was discovered. You know, it was uh, uh, a producer uh, got in touch with me that very same weekend about it. And uh, um, it all happened pretty quickly after that. That's awesome. So how many scripts did it take before you got to Becky? How many scripts was, was Becky in? Becky was my second completed script. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's really good stats. So... What was the process of of once the studio got involved? Like, how quickly uh, was the timeline on that, and and getting actors attached and whatnot? The uh, the deal happened quickly, and then you know we go into like as part of my contract, there were uh, a couple of rounds of rewrites, and you know, um, so, you know, so there's you know a few months there, and then after that they start to bring in like. Uh, the directors came on board and when they came on board, of course, everybody, every entity that comes to the table has things, you know, the notes and things that they want to change about it. Um, the directors came in uh, with, uh, they brought in a, a couple of other writers that they had worked with um, to you know, execute their changes. And, you know, from that, from, from the time I sold it, I think to the time cameras were rolling was like about two years. Um, okay. So, you know, it's that's kind of how it goes it's like you know flat out and everything's you know go 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 and then it's wait and wait and wait and wait you know yeah. and hurry up and wait yeah right yeah yeah so it's uh it felt fast and and it also felt like a lifetime but uh yeah <laughs> so what was your involvement on the wrath of becky that just come out earlier this year i know you're you're labeled as executive producer that can mean a lot of things in, in the film industry right 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 yeah uh with with the sequel when that came uh you know finally came around and there was you know um uh, quite a bit of development involved with that um and uh, uh new directors were brought in to to direct the sequel and um and they wrote the script for it themselves and so my involvement really was, you know, I was part of the, you know, development process. Um, you know, we talked story and, you know, tried to hammer things out like that. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that was basically it. I didn't get to go to uh, the set on the second one. They shot that one in New Jersey. Um, the first one shot here in Canada. So, um, you know, I, uh, I made it a point to be there, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, my role as executive producer was pretty much limited to uh, early development story stuff. Right. So did you already write like a full uh, screenplay that people kind of worked from at some point or just kind of a treatment type thing? Uh, 
I had a I had a treatment written for for the sequel. Um, you know, and it it, it was it was obvious, you know, early on that the the movie that they wanted to make was not necessarily the same movie that I wanted to make. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I pushed for, you know, the things that I felt were important, you know, and that I wanted to see with it, but ultimately, you know, I don't own the property anymore. It's, it's out of my hands. So. Yeah. Yeah. We, we might cycle back around to that. Cause I'm curious of your, your opinions on the ending of, of wrath of Becky but uh, I'm going to pass off for right now. So I was curious, you know, I really loved the movie Becky. I thought it was great. Um, I like the sequel too. It had its odd stuff in it for sure. The ending. Yeah. The ending kind of reminded me of like a a Matthew Vaughn movie, like a very (laughs) like self-aware stinger type thing. But yeah, Yeah. um, Yeah. I was wondering what the first movie when you were writing it, what you know your inspirations as far as the story the films that inspired you when i watched it i really i don't know why i thought of this but it reminded me kind of like if you took home alone and mixed it with like the river wild if you remember that movie with kevin bacon that kind of vibe i don't know what you think yeah yeah no uh definitely that's you know when the idea hit me originally it was you know um a, a violent r-rated home alone right you know um and you know it actually i was i was driving at the time and i had a long car ride and kind of you know it just kind of hammered the whole story out during the course of this drive and basically went home and immediately started typing it up um but uh yeah uh you know home alone by way of you know um uh last house on the left i don't know uh and you know, there's some diehard in there too, right? No, very cool. Um, yeah, I, I definitely could see that. I mean, the the last house on the left, that's probably more fitting with this movie, right? There's a lot of violence and um I, I really love the character Apex. Um, I thought that was really cool. When you wrote that, I know these things, it depends on the phase of how they make the movie, but did you envision like someone like the actor? It's Kurrigan from WWF, but his name is Robert Malay, I think. Yeah, did right. you did you think of that, or were you just kind of like, I want a big guy? Like, what was your thought when you wrote that? Uh, basically, I, I knew he was going to be a big, intimidating dude, right? Um, and uh, beyond that, you know, you never know how <laughs> how the casting process is going to go, and you know, and it's uh, the the casting for for Becky was was interesting too. Um, but when I finally did get, you know, like the main cast list and I saw that Robert was uh, was playing Apex, I was like, that's amazing. You know, yeah. uh, I'm a wrestling fan, too. And, and Robert actually lives not far from me. We've uh, uh, we, we went to the, the drive in together to watch Becky uh, when it was released in 2020. So, yeah, he was uh, he was kind of a kind of a dream come true. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. He, um, I, well, I noticed he does like a, almost like a choke slam on Becky. And I was like, I, I when I saw that, I was like, I bet the writer's a fan of wrestling. I, I just had that feeling. <laughs> um, when, you know, when you wrote that character and the way she is in this movie, I mean, it, there is, it's obviously over the top in a lot of things, but 
it really kind of I don't, were you trying to tap into like this idea of fight or flight with PTSD and trauma? Because it seems like she had trauma and she has it again, but it's like she's just she just decides, fuck it, like I'm fighting. I'm standing up to these people. Yeah, really. And I mean, uh, you know, Apex was important for, you know, um, kind of the notion like, you know, um, how is a monster, you know, like that created, you know, and what, uh, you know, what kind of things can happen to someone to to push them to, you know, these kind of extremes. Right. Um, you know, and they have a, a brief exchange in the movie um where he sort of tries to warn her about you know um uh, potentially the path that she's headed down right yeah for sure so i don't know if you i mean i'm sure you've been asked this and i'm sure you probably can't say anything but the whole the key right the the macguffin of the film it's in the first film it's in the second film i guess two questions and i'll pass on after this because i know we probably have a lot to ask but one, do you, in your mind, have an idea of what that actually would mean? And two, do you know what they're actually doing with it in the series? I, I'm assuming you obviously can't answer two, but I just was curious. The answer, you know, The answer to the first question is yes. The answer to the second question is no. <laughs> I don't know what the key is for at this point. I know what, you know, I originally intended and I know how that evolved and then I knew where I was, you know, uh, where I would take it from there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but uh, I'm as curious as, as anyone to see exactly uh, what it turns out to be for. Definitely. That should be cool. <laughs> so, yeah, so we've talked, we've talked about the casting. Um, I'm just going to go through a list real quick. Um, King of Queens, Mall Cop, Grown Ups, Zookeeper, uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, and Becky. <laughs> which one of these is not like the uh, how do you go about or or were you part of the casting process and convincing or did you even have to convince kevin james to play a neo-nazi psychopath i i was not part of the casting process um i was kept in the loop on it um you know and, and the you know the producers were were great about you know uh keeping me in touch with everything that was going on with that and you know and who was reading it and who they were looking at for this role and that role um and originally they had signed on um simon Pegg to play the villain in this um so, so i think they were always kind of you know uh, uh looking to uh cast uh uh someone against type you know for the role um that would have been a very I, different movie that's what i was just thinking i'm like that would right? be so weird to see simon Pegg in that role after seeing i know it. right yeah no i was uh and that was, you know, that was locked down for, you know, for quite a while. And eventually, it was months later, um, they uh, they let me know that uh, they'd signed Kevin James to play the dad role, uh, to play Becky's dad in the movie. Um, and, uh, you know, lo and behold, uh, Simon had to back out at the last minute, probably Mission Impossible or something came calling and, and he had to, uh, he had to leave. And then um kevin had asked you know can i read for the for the villain part in this and and they were like sure and you know he kind of blew everybody away i think and uh, he certainly did on set i know the first time uh he uh he came out in character 
Yeah, when I saw the uh, when I saw the casting, Jay's the one that turned me onto this movie a couple of months ago when I watched it, and I, my first thought was, "There's no way." Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're talking about um, you know a Wish.com version of America's Dad. This is like you know, honestly, dude, or your, I felt, or your you know, when I first heard it. Yeah, I was like, I I can't picture it. Like you know, I'm um, I'm sure he'll be great. I hope he'll be great, but I I can't see it. And uh, it wasn't until I actually was on set and watched him bringing this character to life that I was like, oh wow, you know, yeah, he's uh, fantastic. Yeah, this, this fantastic. Is somebody else. Surprising. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, I didn't know if he was going to be, you know, if he was uh, really going to kind of ham it up and be over the top. And and I was so relieved that he wasn't. It was so cool and just sort of nuanced and understated and all of his delivery. And you kind of gradually, you know, uh, the thing I love about his performance is you gradually uh, see him start to lose it a little bit more and more and more as the movie goes on. He starts to kind of lose more and more control of the situation. You know, um, he loses more and more control of himself. Yeah, it's kind of like a parallel with him and Becky, opposite sides of the of the coin. But she's kind of Very descending right. into madness, and he is as well. And both for right. almost the same reasons, you know. Yeah, because so, of each other. Yeah. yeah. So, so as far as casting goes, uh, also it, it it was another interesting thing. So, whoever did the casting, fantastic job. Um, Joe McHale, I felt like just like on the surface, I love Joe McHale. So. It, when he watches this, because he obviously will, <laughs> I would have bought him more as a Nazi than Kevin James, and Kevin James is the dad. But they work so well because there's the there's kind of like the awkward tension. Joe McHale plays that better than most anyone else between Becky and and her dad, and then Kevin James, of course, knocks it out of the park as the villain. So you 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 already mentioned kind of. A, maybe some questions before you actually see the acting what, what was the moment where when you saw the cast come together you saw the scenes start to come together where you were like okay this is this is going to be something not just in my head but something actual tangible that's going to be enjoyable yeah no i actually it, it wasn't honest it's you know honestly it was not until um i was on set my first day which was like the second day of production i think i was there um and you know uh the scene, the first scene that they shot when I was there was the the fire pit um, scene where they're kind of torturing Joel um, with the skewers and trying to sort of draw Becky out of hiding. Um, and uh, and yeah, it was like wow, I, I was you know kind of um, perched up above uh, on the this rickety. Uh, deck on the on the side of this the, this house this location that they found to shoot in um and i was up there with the audio guys and so i had my my ears on and i could hear kevin uh reading these lines um he was uh it was the part where he's, he's like speaking into the radio he's talking to becky so he was really quiet but um and uh and then of course you know uh when they're actually uh torturing joel and, and burning his uh, face and stuff and he stabs him um, and Joel's just screaming all afternoon, you know, getting this, uh, this scene done. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. That was, uh, it was like, wow, you know, to, to see it, see it all kind of, you know, finally come together like that and see it, see it kind of brought to life by, you know, all these professionals, there was, you know, probably a hundred people on the crew. Um, it was, uh, it was quite something to see, man. 
So, so you have the movie in your head, you, you, you write it down. Something that's always kind of interested me about horror, and especially the further in we get, and I mean, from, you know, going from 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, we're decades into horror genre. The scene with the eyeball coming out, <laughs> I hate eye stuff. Any, like, I, I can't touch my own eyes. I, if I have to have contacts, I'm just going to have to go blind. But I actually laughed at the scene when they bring the safety scissors to try to cut it. And I thought that's hilarious. And then my thought was, how do you think of that? So do when you're writing this, is this in your head that you're like the gore the things like that? Are you thinking about how you want things to happen? Does this, is the safety scissors like something that pops into your head or do you sit around with other people and you're like, okay, what, what could we do here? What could we do here to try to be different? Because it's so hard. Almost everything's been done, but I've never, I've never seen a scene like that. It was probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, just because of the absurdity of trying to cut his eyeball off with child's safety scissors. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of my favorite scenes in the movie too. Um, and you know the the eyeball bit. Um, initially, I I it's hard to even remember now. Uh, initially, I I think I had written it so that um, um, his Hammond or Apex or one of his guys is like kind of holding it up and he's kind of sawing at it with like a serrated knife or something like that. Um, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, it was one of the producers um, that uh, suggested the the scissors, the safety scissors. I was like, "That's gold. That's perfect." <laughs> and then, yeah, to, the way it came together was was amazing. And you know, it's it's there's not a lot of you know. I wouldn't call say that there's a lot of comedy or you know funny elements in the movie, but just the way that scene came together and the way Kevin delivered it and. Yeah, uh, he he throws the scissors. And he's like, Are you "Kidding me?" Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was just beautiful. Yeah, whoever wrote that scene is clearly a psychopath. Like, just absolutely <laughs> psychopath. So, um, when you were first writing Becky, and when the movie was was starting to get made, did you have ideas in your own mind for sequels or a franchise or anything? Yeah, definitely. You know, I uh, I, I definitely had uh, like I probably like a. 15 page kind of treatment, you know, that I'd uh, written down for uh, uh, an idea for where, you know, I kind of saw the story going after the first movie um, and, you know, and a much more kind of hazy vision beyond that. If, you know, God willing that they, they're actually, we're going to be more of them. Right. So I'm curious, uh, what are five of or five or so of, of your most influential horror films? I'm going to take a wild guess by looking at your shirt and say the shining is mm -hmm. probably one of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's up there. Um, uh, the exorcist is probably number one. Um, I love, you know, I love all like the, the eighties Halloween, the, you know, the original and all the, the, the sequels with Daniel Harris and, um, that came out in the 80s. Um, Halloween, the originals up there. Um, Alien, Dawn of the Dead, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the classics, right? All you know, the, the greats. Reason. Yeah. <laughs> what what made what movie made you want to be a writer though? Star Wars. Definitely. The, ori the original <laughs> or just the whole first trilogy? The the original, you know, the the original trilogy that, you know. Uh, that I grew up with. That's, you know, what made me fall in love with movies and maybe, you know, 
you know, the, the kind of sparked the desire, I think, to be involved in some way um, in, in telling stories in, in that medium, right? So, so did you ever think of yourself as kind of kind of falling into this uh, screenwriting career? What were you doing uh, before that, and what does your your family kind of think about this this uh, new path? <laughs> That they all think it's pretty cool. Um, you know, my mom is not a horror person at all, but she, you know, and she doesn't like anything uh, terribly violent or gory. But she did watch uh, Becky, um, the first one anyway, kind of like through her hands, I guess. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, no, it was you know before that, you know, I was uh, like uh, uh, driving a forklift and you know and working in manufacturing and. Um, you know, I was uh, a painter for a while, right? You know, I mean, just, just paying the bills, doing, uh, you know, regular stuff all the while, kind of, you know, dreaming up ways to murder Nazis with safety. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Natural evolution. (laughs) So what, um, I, I am curious if you put much credits in the theories with this movie um there's a theory out there i was reading about it because obviously they're neo-nazis in the movie they invade the house there's a lot of things in the movie and i was reading something it may have been reddit or somewhere someone pointed out like all these coincidences with becky like at the beginning she's doodling like an ss and then like it's almost like there's a theory that she i read some theory that like her mom could have been a neo-nazi died they were coming to the house because their mom was a part of it. They didn't know that. I don't, right. I'm just speculating. Have you heard this? What do you think of it? Um, yeah, just... I've seen some of that. Um, that certainly was not my intent. Um, originally, uh, in my original draft of the script, uh, there was like a prologue scene that sort of explained how the key got to be there and, and how they ended up in prison over it. Um, you know, um, yeah and and actually in in the original script um it's it's kind of you know made clear that the he was stashed did not belong to that family right it was somebody else's and just happens to still be hidden there um you know 10 years later when they kind of bust themselves out of prison and go looking for it and lo and behold there's new owners here so that's that was originally the idea um, the, the, the doodling, you know, whatever she's drawing there <laughs> early on, you know, I don't know what it's supposed to be, but, uh, I don't think it was supposed to be like an SS or anything like that. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And but yeah, what... no, I saw, I, I've read that stuff too. And it always kind of makes me chuckle a little bit. <laughs> uh, one, one final question that, that, that I had for you, I kind of alluded to earlier is, is the kind of wild turn that, that wrath of Becky takes at the ending where they're, uh, you know, instead of putting her what might more real, realistically be in a me- mental institution and then probably foster care till she's 18. Right. After all that right. trauma, uh, right. they offer her a job at like 16 years old to, to go into the CIA. And I, I I assume that's probably not the direction you would have went with it. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious where you would have leaned for the ending of that. You would be correct. Um, yeah, my uh, my inclination with the sequel in general was to uh, lean more into the horror elements 
Um, I wanted to kind of uh, see her evolve into the monster that Apex kind of warns her about, right? Um, that she could become. Um, so my Darth Vader, Anakin. I was kind of thinking. I was kind of thinking Dexter too. Kind of bathed in blood and brought to. Yeah, yeah. No, and you know the 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 direction that they like. uh, It it was it was clear to me early on that you know they they wanted to kind of go a little bit lighter with it, a little bit more lean into the comedy, a little bit more. and uh, you know uh, the movie that you know um, that they wanted to it was something closer to um, uh, like a Black Widow or uh, Harley Quinn type character than you know Jason Voorhees as you know or Angela Baker, uh, which was kind of more the direction that I had envisioned uh, Becky going in. You would you would have just went straight horror with it, pretty much. Pretty that. much, yeah. yeah. You know, start to blur the lines a little bit between who the heroes and the villains are, and and uh, and really go all in. You know, um, it would have been uh, almost a slasher movie by the by the end. Of it. <laughs> nice. That would be an interesting direction to go with the third movie to have her being like a serial killer. Or like a Michael Myers kind against neo Nazis, like they're just yeah, hanging out right. in their neo Nazi house, and all of a sudden they start dying, like a traditional right. slasher <laughs> film. So who do you root for? Like they're not doing anything yeah. racist right then, but yeah. only now she's uh, also backed by the CIA. <laughs> well, it's it's, it's kind of like the first blood syndrome in a way with Rambo, because like first blood, the first movie, it was very like grounded and like a good. There was like a psychosis and a PTSD, and then. Rambo two and three, he's a he's an action star, right? He's right. Guns. So I could see how they. It's like a you know the studios a lot of times think differently than maybe like when you're writing it, what you envision. So right, right, yeah. No, it's a it, that's an interesting parallel. There's definitely a similar trajectory, at least it seems at this point. <laughs> All right, so that's going to be a wrap for this episode. Be sure to uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, follow us on Instagram. If you have Amazon Music, we have a playlist on there featuring songs and artists from the episodes we've done. Uh, So go check that out. Nick, thank you so much for taking some time with us. uh, And we look forward to seeing whatever you do next. Um, Like I said, I I saw Becky. I I didn't see it, but the day it came out, I pre-ordered, I bought it. I came home, watched it that day. I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking fantastic. (laughs) So that's all I can say. Movies like that, that... are amazing so we appreciate it um so uh sign off i'm jay with john kellen tj and nick and until next time keep it spooky all right i said lulu adams i was like i even had it written down i questioned it for a second but then i could see the wilson behind your head i wasn't gonna say anything man (laughs) yeah i was thinking i was like who's lou i remember the hell nick was being very canadianly polite to not say anything (laughs) thank you it's not like i have two fucking places in front of me (laughs) (laughs) to be fair jay's on what how many cbd gummies right now (laughs) zero
<laughs> they're on him He's they cancel each him. other out one and one yeah, yeah. yeah they, the, the higher you go they start counting backwards so, yeah. i did have adams though damn it <laughs> amateur hours is there amateur a lulu hour. adams that sounds like a name yeah she's uh she's in that movie hellbender on that's on uh shutter oh, that's they're they're actually going to come on a future episode so oh talk Ooh, cool well i'm glad right, well, nick, we, thank we you got again. to connect nick yeah yeah, no, man, this was fun. Thanks. I really appreciate the invite. Yeah. Thank you. If, I, if I ever make it to Nova Scotia, actually, without my wife ditching me, I will look you Cheers. up. Absolutely. What, what weeks <laughs> out of the year is Nova Scotia actually warm enough for somebody from the United States to visit? Just asking <laughs> uh, for a friend. <laughs> you know, most of them, I would say, you know, um, uh, it's the, the winters aren't as harsh as they used to be. You know, it's uh, uh, mostly rain really you know it, it certainly gets cold we have like a really good cold snap probably in somewhere in january or february even um and then you know uh eight weeks of, of rain um you know summers are nice you know ish um yeah so you don't get like a foot of snow at any point sometimes yeah so we, we can still get that much sometimes we can get you know rarely it's not you know back in the day i can remember as a kid you know snowbanks way over my head right um you don't see that as much anymore but you know occasionally we still do get a good storm that you know um we get we get three bit. inches in tennessee and the whole state shuts down oh, yeah no, no, no toilet it. paper <laughs> milk or bread for anybody for weeks see, that's, they, they don't make <laughs> you guys buy snow tires right and, no you know, it's no. not here it's actually the law you have to have snow tires in winter here and you have to take them off in the summer right when i lived in the pacific northwest that was where they started doing the the chains on the tires i'd never heard of yeah. such a thing before then yeah <laughs> our yeah. roads have potholes just from them uh cleaning off the snow if we had snow tires oh. our roads would just be gravel yeah <laughs> that's true. Much. you should see the roads here man <laughs> it's, it's insane yeah <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Nick, and uh, we'll and thanks for joining our Facebook group. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah. definitely throw as many. And if you ever have anything else to promote, let us know, and we'll we'll hook you. All up. right, man. Yep. Hopefully, absolutely. Soon. Cool. Absolutely. Thanks. thanks man. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Have a good Cheers. one. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jay, Jay, I'm whispering in your ear. You look super fucked up right now. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I, I took does. half. Of, I took half of one before, but it's I, not the same thing. It's like I, I, I thought he was going to freeze on that outro there for a second. <laughs> he was like, uh, uh. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure he was traveling back mouth. from. He was traveling back <laughs> from Pluto. <laughs> I was. I just wanted to be suspenseful. That's all. Yeah. Uh, if you need somebody in your film to play a uh, pedophile, I'm just a pair of glasses away. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait. The what? only man to volunteer what? for that. Is, that. is that your Halloween costume? No, yeah. no. I, 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 it's not a secret. I'm, go I'm going to try. I'm going to try to pull off Freddy Krueger. And by Freddy, I mean Freddy Mercury. Oh, you're going to trim it Freddy off. Freddy Krueger. So, yeah, oh, well, I'll sweet. keep the mustache. Yeah. But I've been doing this because um, a couple of weeks ago, I trimmed my beard like real short, like yeah. like five o'clock shadow short. I don't know if y'all remember, but I, I had it pretty, pretty short. 
And both of my daughters were like, uh, who's that guy? No, mm -mm, no, don't like it. You can't do that ever again. So I'm doing it in baby steps. So I started at a seven and one of my daughters was like, you look different. And I'm like, thank you for noticing because usually I get my haircut shave and it's like, uh, you did something. I, pff, nobody cares. Right. So then I went to a five and then it was very obvious that the mustache is mustache and way more than the beard. And now I'm <laughs> on a three. So if everything goes well for Halloween, when I'm going with the girls, I'm going to have a half Freddy Krueger, half Freddy Mercury costume. They're that almost is amazing. Almost. Yeah. I thought yeah, about, about that. I thought about almost. that because I, I already look like a wish version of him. Anyway. You kind of got the haircut already. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could absolutely, I could absolutely go Ted Lasso and just be done. Go to Walmart and buy a twenty dollars co- costume. I've yep. got the hat. <laughs> yeah, just wear like a, a polo shirt and khakis. <laughs> That'd be a pretty good Where? costume, honestly. Yeah. Where's my? Hat? I could bring like some darts and and talk about how much I hate tea. Yeah. <laughs>